Hey, good morning, everyone. Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. Can we just thank the men of our church, the fathers of our church? Can we just give them appreciation? We thank you guys. Being a dad is not easy, and we are so thankful for the men of our church and what you mean in your ministry to our church. Um, for Father's Day, normally, annually, Kathleen lets me go to a local meat market and go crazy, whatever I want. And so that's my thing. So I got some nice um, strip steaks, paid like $60 a pound for them, whatever meat is now. I didn't. I just. I said, just go in there. I don't even want to look at the price. Just get it, and, and you pay for it because I don't want to have a heart attack. But we're going to have uh, strip steaks later on, and um, Kathleen's going to cook them for me. No, I'll probably cook them. She's a better cook than I am, but way better on the grill than I am. But I'll, I'll try. I'll give it a shot. How many of you guys are good grillers? You love being on the grill. Really? All right, good. Like eight of you? That's it? All right. Okay, good, good. We're so glad that you're here this morning. Those of you that are watching online, we're continuing our series on what did Jesus have to say. And um, in this series, we're looking at really difficult words that Jesus had to say. And my question to you today, what, what if we really lived out the words that Jesus spoke to us? Now, if we're a follower of Christ, how many you know that it's imperative that we follow the words that Jesus said and if, if we live them out in our lives? And, and how different would our lives actually be if we truly obeyed the words that Jesus spoke to us? And so what I want to do is in this series is look at really hard sayings of Jesus. Because the thing about Christ is he really wanted to speak to our hearts and kind of meddle with our hearts, the motivation of our hearts, because really that's where it all begins. Unless Christ has our heart, he can't have the rest of our lives. And so so what, what we've been looking at is just asking the question of what did Jesus have to say and how can we live this out in our lives and walk in obedience to Christ? And so my question to you this morning is, I want to look at something that Jesus spoke about in Matthew chapter 5, very, very hard saying, very difficult for us to wrestle with. And when we read this, it's going to be difficult for each and every one of us because there's something that has happened probably to each and every one of us. Maybe it was atrocity. Maybe it was a hurtful thing someone did to us. And we're struggling to overcome this and to work through hate and bitterness in our lives. And I want to see what Jesus had to say about hate today. Are we to hate others who have come against us? What do we do with our enemies? Can we just be honest this morning that we live in a very polarized world right now? Just anybody out there? Okay, good. Yeah, we do. We live in a very... And can we, can we just admit that even within the church, it's been very polarizing? Right? We've got all opinions going all over the place. And I want to hear what Jesus had to say. Because that doesn't mean that we're not to have opinions or that we don't care about what's going on in our world. But how do we deal with our world so that we don't walk in hate, that we actually do pray for those that are in opposition to us and really have the spirit of Christ in the way we walk in our world? Because it's much easier for the proclivity of my heart to lean towards hate and animosity than it is to lean towards love and forgiveness. And so this is where Jesus is going to poke at our hearts today. So let's look at Matthew chapter 5. We're going to look at verses 43 through 48. And what I want us to be, I want us to be so much more in love with Jesus than our sports teams. I'm, you're so, I'm so glad you came, and I'm so glad you guys are watching. We're going to meddle around. I want you to be way more in love with Jesus 
than your political bent. All right, you guys are with me. I feel good. You guys are with me this morning. Okay, we're, we're, we're tracking. I want you to track me. So let's see what Jesus had to say about our hearts and about what we are to do with mercy. He says, you have heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemy, pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes the sun to rise on evil and good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? Man, he, Jesus is really meddling now. He's, he's really getting to the heart of the matter. And then listen to what he says in verse 47. And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even the pagans do that. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Amen to God's word this morning. Amen. Okay, so let's see what, let's see what Jesus is saying here. Jesus through this saying and through these verses is is being completely countercultural of what the culture would tell tell us. He told them to stop and think about what truly is important. These words are meant for us just to kind of stop and say, is this what Jesus really meant? Is Jesus just speaking figuratively here? Does he really mean that we're to pray for our enemies and, and we're not supposed to hate those and we're supposed to love those? Is this what Jesus really means here? Well, let me tell you what Jesus really means here. That's what Jesus really means. That's what he's saying. And so how do we deal with that when things have happened to us and we see the stuff that's going on in our world today? Because it's so easy just to turn the news on for five minutes and want to throw your TV out to the curb. Can I get an amen? I mean, really, it's so frustrating when we look at our world today and we see what's going on. How do we deal with our hearts and the anger that can well up in our heart towards the things that we see in our world? This is what Jesus is speaking to. Do we not think that Jesus did not see the same things in his world when he walked on this earth? Absolutely. He saw the same things. He saw the way people were being treated. He saw the evil that was around him. And Jesus says, for the follower of me, the only way that you're going to conquer these things is to love mercy and to understand my grace and to pray for those who come against you, to be completely opposite of what your heart would say or what the world would tell you. Jesus is telling us to do the exact opposite. So how do we do this? How do we love those who come against us? Is Jesus telling us to be a doormat, allowing people to walk all over us, to take abuse? That's not what Jesus is talking about here. And Jesus' words seem to fly in the face of what would appear conventional. We hear conventional wisdom say, protect yourself. Don't allow anyone to take advantage of you. Harbor bitterness in your heart. Get revenge. Let other people get what's due to them. But let's understand what Jesus is teaching here because it's completely countercultural to what we would hear in our world today. And so what Jesus' words do is they stand in stark contrast to all other religious teachings. And I want you to notice what Jesus says here. He says, you've heard it said, hate your enemy. Now, what is Jesus quoting there? Is, is, is what Jesus saying correct? Does the Old Testament tell us to hate our enemies? Well, what Jesus is doing here is correcting a misinterpretation of the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, we're never commanded to hate. But in reading the Old Testament, we see God dealing with, with evil in his world. And yes, there is judgment against evil 
evil in our world today. God's not overlooking those things. But the interpretation would be, well, you see someone doing evil, so we're supposed to hate that person now because of what they've done. And we know that God is a judge. And we know that God will righteously judge this world and their evil actions. But what Jesus is getting to here, he's getting to our hearts. Many want to enforce the letter of the law, but don't understand the spirit behind the law. Yes, God in his righteous judgment will deal with our world. But the thing that Jesus wants to deal with is our heart and the way we see what goes on in our world. And if we're really honest with ourselves, many times we don't do a good job at this. Because the proclivity of my heart wants revenge. The proclivity of my heart wants justice. This has to be done. And hate and animosity can easily take over my heart. And this is what Jesus was poking at. Jesus understands that hate and vengeance can dominate and ruin our lives if we allow it to live there. We can live with bitterness and animosity towards someone else, and it can cause us to actually live in our own prison. You know, I, I see it very often with men and, and teenage boys. There, many have such an anchor in their heart, and it comes out in many different ways. And many times the way it comes out is that we, we see this anger towards people. It may not be that person or that authority figure, but there's a deep wound within their heart. And that authority figure comes up and there's a hatred towards that. It's not that person, but it's something within their own heart that has gripped their heart to the point that they can't live their lives. And things trigger that anger in their hearts and they can't control it. This is what Jesus is talking about. How do we control that in the right way and deal with our hearts correctly? See, my heart wants revenge. My heart wants to get back at the other person. But here's the problem. Here's what we have to know about our heart. And this is what Jesus understands about our heart. Even if someone gets what's due to them, right? Even if we see justice fulfilled, we're like, yes, that person got what's done to them. If hate still resides in my heart, there's a not enough things that can happen to that person that can ever get rid of the hate in my heart. Are you following me? See, we think, oh, this is going to, I'm going to feel so much better if this happens and this happens and this person's getting away. You know, I, I feel that way driving down 104 and someone flies by me and then they get pulled over by a trooper. I just want to go by so bad and say, nah, 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 right? You just, you want them to get what's due to them it may, for some, but you know what? That can never settle our heart. That can never satisfy our heart. Because our hearts are bent towards revenge. And Jesus said, this is what I want you to deal with. Jesus wants us to look at what, what would be considered as a normal response entirely differently. Have you ever watched a movie and um, you see this injustice and, and, and you want the, the bad person to get it, right? You just, you, the whole movie, and we always see that you have the protagonist and then somebody comes against that main character and then the whole time like something happens to that main character and you're like mad and you want that person to get what's coming to them. So you're just kind of watching the whole movie and then, you know, you got to wait to the end before, you know, justice is served, right? That, that's basically the premise of all 18 Rocky movies, right? It's the premise of all 18, you know, it's especially the third one. That The third one, I love Rocky. Rocky wants the best, by the way. Don't even argue with me about that, okay? Don't even, I don't want to hear an email. The, num, the first one's the best. But anyways, number three was pretty good. Number two wasn't bad. Number four is bad. Five, horrible. Don't never even watch it. 
And then when Rocky fights his grandmother, that one was really good. No, I'm just teasing. Okay, so, but three was interesting because he, he was fighting Clubber Lang. Remember that, Mr. T? I pity the fool. And he was just mean to Rocky. He was saying words against his wife and the whole thing. You're just like, Rocky, I want, I want you to knock his block off, right? There's something within us that just says that hatred towards that person that comes against us. There's a, there's, I like John Wayne movies, and there's an interesting John Wayne movie. When I mentioned John Wayne, Ruth in the first service, Ruth Brooks just went, oh, my gosh, she loves John Wayne. Ruth Brooks loves John Wayne. So she perked right up when I mentioned John Wayne in the first service. But there's an interesting John Wayne movie, uh, one of the movies where he dies in, and usually the main character does not die, but he dies in this one movie, and it's a movie called The Cowboys. And uh, if you've never seen it, I'm just going to total spoiler. Sorry, get over it, but I'm going to explain the movie to you. But it, John Wayne basically is getting all these young kids to go on a cattle drive with him. And there's this one evil character that's following them that wants to take advantage of it. His name was Bruce Dern. He was he was the, the person that played this evil character. Well, at the end of the movie, Bruce Dern shoots John Wayne in the back, in the back, and John Wayne's dies. I love that movie except for that one scene. It's horrible. It's horrible because you, you feel left like, wait a minute. John Wayne didn't get revenge on the guy that he was supposed to. You ever walk away and you're just like, wah, 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 right? You feel that even though the whole movie is great. Well, what's interesting about this movie that so many people were angry at a movie, they were angry that, Bruce, that that John Wayne died here. And so Bruce Stern, this is one of his first leading characters in a movie, and he had trouble getting acting roles after that because people hated Bruce Dern for shooting the Duke in the back. You don't shoot, right? So everybody, this is a movie. Let's get over it, right? But this is the heart. This is a proclivity of our heart to want to hate and to have animosity. And so what Jesus does for us is that he's kind of teasing out an Old Testament idea here by saying that we should have love and that we should, we should show mercy and that we should pray for those who come against us. What Jesus does is he tees out this Old Testament idea that, that how God desires us to act. And it's a thread that actually runs through the Old Testament. And what God sees as essential and godly for those who pursue him. And it's found from a prophet named Micah. And, and the central part of Micah's book is this one verse in Micah 6, 8. And it's basically the central part of his word to God's people who have backslidden, who have walked away from the Lord. And this is what God's word is to his people. This is what God's word is to us. And this is what Jesus was trying to tease out for those that were listening to him. Micah 6, 8 says this, No, O people, the Lord has told you what is good. He's told you what is good. And this is what he requires of you. And what does he require of you? To do right. That's to seek justice, to speak for those who can't speak for themselves. Do what is right and actually love mercy. And to walk humbly with your God. Notice what God is saying through the prophet to his people. These are the things that we should be chasing after. Because our heart wants to chase after animosity, it wants to hold on to bitterness. But as a follower of God, this is what Jesus is saying. We should actually love mercy. We should be the people that are standing up and showing grace and leading the way on what the heart of God should look like. And see, basically what Jesus is teaching is balance. It's not to ignore 
what we see that's wrong around us. It's not to ignore that. It's not simply just to focus on love either and just ignore justice. There's a balance. As we see the things that go on in our world, there has to be a balance with love and mercy that lead us and guide our hearts as we walk through this world. Because I know for me, it's watching five minutes of TV. I just want to get angry and throw a shoe through my television set. But God's saying, what is the balance here? The balance is, yes, we need to speak up for the things that we see that are wrong, but we do it with mercy and love and grace as we lead, showing the very heart of God. It's all about balance. When I was in college, I, I, was, I, I lifted weights I had a friend of mine, he goes, why don't you lift weights me? So I said, okay, I'll, I'll lift weights me. I had no idea what I was doing. So he was kind of my personal coach and helped me how to lift weights. So we started really doing it a lot. And he goes, Barden, here's my goal for you. I want you to be able to bench press 245 pounds. And like at that point, I wasn't even doing 100 pounds. I'm like, you crazy. I mean, there's, and we kept doing it. And finally, I got up, I got up to that weight. So one time I was by myself and I'm like, hey, let me see if I can, let me see if I can just do 245 by myself. So what happened was I get the, if, if you guys lift weights, you understand, you get the 45 pound wheel. I put two 45 pound wheels on there. And then the other side, I put two 35 pound wheels on. Now, I'm by, now, this is crazy. Actually, the guy was with me when I was doing this, but he wasn't watching me. So I get up and I go to bench press this thing. Guess what happened? The thing totally, it was unbalanced and it tilted and I literally dropped the, the thing on my, ch I couldn't, I was like this and I'm crying, help, and he's laughing. I remember this now. He's laughing. And luckily they slid off. So I didn't, I didn't kill myself, but you can't bench press any weight without it being balanced. See, this is Jesus' point. It's so easy to get unbalanced. It's so easy just to get angry and allow hatred to rule our hearts. But it's also easy just to not say anything. This isn't Jesus' point. He's saying, where is your heart? Is grace and mercy leading your heart? And so God is stressing three things through the prophet Micah to his people. Micah is speaking to a people falling away from God, and God will use these foreign countries to judge them. And so the crux of the book hinges on this one verse. God requires this, do what is right, love mercy, and walk in humility. So during the time of Micah, Israel refused to embrace these three things. And Jesus is bringing us a bigger picture of what he expects of us. You see, doing what is right, loving mercy, walking in humility are a direct response to the mercy and grace given to us through Christ. So how do we do this? How do we look at our world today and not just allow hatred and anger and animosity to grip our hearts? The only way we can do this is through Christ and understanding the mercy, the mercy and grace that he bestowed upon us. So let, let, me, let me dig down on this a little bit. If I don't understand the grace that was freely given to me, I will have difficulty offering forgiveness and loving mercy. We were an object of God's wrath because of our sin. And Jesus was our substitute on the cross. The Bible says that God demonstrates his love towards us, that while we were still sinners, Jesus died for us. This mercy and grace that Jesus gives to us is free. We didn't earn it. We didn't deserve it. This is how much he loves us. If I lose sight of the mercy and grace that God bestowed on me when I didn't deserve it, 
then I'm going to have a lot of trouble forgiving people. And I'm going to live in a prison of my bitterness and animosity. And Jesus said, this isn't how I want a follower of me to live. I want you to walk in freedom. And the way to, to freedom is, is absolutely forgiveness. The way to freedom is forgiveness and mercy and love. So here's what God says. You were alienated from me. I sent my son Jesus to forgive you. And he still reaches out to us knowing all that is in my heart. Isn't that amazing? I say this all the time. If I were to show you what you thought about this week and were to show it on the screens or some of the things you did, you wouldn't show up to church. And I wouldn't either, right? I mean, it's just God loves us and receives us and shows us grace even knowing what is in our heart. The, the Apostle Paul, what he does is he kind of drives this point home in uh, Romans 5.10. He says, For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, should we be saved through his life? See, what Paul is stressing is while we were enemies with God, we were reconciled to God and made right with God through his son, Jesus. Unless we realize we're undeserving of God's grace, we will never experience the fullness of God's grace. Unless we realize that we are undeserving of that grace, we will never experience the fullness of that grace. And we want that grace to be the thing that drives our heart that drives our life. That doesn't mean people get away with what they get away with. God will judge every person. But what Jesus is saying, where is your heart? Are you loving mercy? Are you walking in humility before me? Do you understand what I did and what I accomplished for you? And it's so easy for us as Christians to lose sight of what Jesus accomplished for us. Every single day, we need to preach the gospel to our hearts and realizing that we're sinners saved by God's grace. And when that grace overshadows my life, then God's mercy becomes paramount in my life. And I'm able to deal with the things in the world with a different perspective than just hate and animosity and throwing my TV out to the curb. That's, Jesus doesn't want us to live our life in bitterness and hatred. And so through Christ, we're made right before God. And he still reaches out to me. He still reaches out to me, knowing all the things that are in my heart. And so what God does is he demonstrates his love by allowing Jesus to die for us while we were still sinners, while we were still enemies with him. This is Paul's point. So how do we not go into the deep end of hatred and bitterness? Because let's all be honest. We could be sitting here and say, pastor, I don't have any anger issues. I'm good. I'm all good. Everybody's good. You know, kumbaya. We're all good, right? What happens though many times in our lives, things trigger our anger. Maybe you've buried something. Maybe somebody's name is mentioned. Maybe something happens in your life. And all of a sudden, this anger wells up in your heart. And you're like, well, where did that come from? That's because you buried it. And something triggered that anger to come up. Maybe somebody's name was mentioned or whatever, some past event. And all of a sudden, you're like, man, this, this anger and this animosity has welled up within my heart. See, that's what Jesus is going to. He's going to our heart. So how do we not go into the deep end of hatred and bitterness? We need to understand the grace that was provided for us. I love what Alistair Begg says here. He says, only a heart that knows it is unworthy of grace will be appropriately amazed by receiving it. You see, 
Are you amazed by God's grace every single day in your life? Are you amazed by it? Are you thankful for it every single day in your life? Kathleen, I've been doing a little devotional through the, um, through the book of Ruth, and I love the part in Ruth where she's in a foreign land, not her own land. She's with Naomi, and they're gleaning the edges of the field because that's all they have. They have nothing. And Boaz, her future husband, is there, and he sees her, and he sees her working, and he sees her working hard. And he comes up and he shows mercy to her. And she has no expectation. She doesn't say she deserves it. She didn't say, woe is me. What she does is she goes, why, why, why do I receive this grace? Why are you even recognizing me? She didn't feel entitled. And she could have easily felt that way. I lost my husband. I'm with my mother-in-law in this foreign country. I have no prospects. I have nothing good that's happening in my life. And here I'm working hard, gleaning the fields that were just harvested just to get enough food to eat for me and Naomi. And Boaz sees her heart. And she says, I am undeserving of this. She understands that grace. Are you amazed by God's grace and mercy every single day in your life? We need to be amazed by that grace. See, it's about your heart. Does justice need to occur when atrocities are done? Absolutely. But Jesus doesn't want hatred and unwillingness to forgive rule our hearts. Do what is right. Love mercy. Walk in humility before your God. If we understand that our conversations will change. And we have to ask ourselves, do I have hatred in my heart for someone or some group of people who I disagree with? How can Christ's grace change you? I absolutely love this story about Corrie Ten Boone. She wrote the book, Hiding Place. If you've never read it, please read it. Her and her sister were in a concentration camp during World War II. Or her family was arrested for harboring Jews, hiding Jews in their house in Holland during World War II, during the occupation of the Nazis in Germany. And um, Corrie Ten Boone made it out, but her sister didn't. And there's a story about Corrie Ten Boone. A couple years later, she went back into Germany and was speaking to the German people who were hurting, who needed to find forgiveness in God. And she would preach the gospel message of hope and redemption and love to them at these different services. And there was one service she was at that the prison guard that was over her was at. And he received Christ and he found forgiveness. Now, she remembered him, but he didn't remember her. And as she shared her story at the end of the service, he came up to her and said, would you forgive me? Corey Ten Boone is face to face with her enemy, with the atrocities that happened to her, with a sister who died in the concentration camp. Now she is face to face with her enemy. She just got done speaking about, about God's love and grace and forgiveness, but now she is face to face with her enemy, and she either must walk away in hate. Or trust the very thing that Jesus did for her. I have her very words in her testimony. She passed away in 1983. I have her testimony, and these are her words of that exact event and how she dealt with it. And I'm praying it helps her heart today. Go ahead and look at the screens at this time.
It was some time ago that I was in Berlin. And there came a man to me and said, Ah, Mr. Bohm, I am glad to see you. Don't you know me? And suddenly I saw that man. That was one of the most cruel overseers in concentration camp. And that man said, I have, I'm now a Christian. I have found the Lord Jesus. I read my Bible and I know that there is forgiveness for all the sins of the whole world. Also for my sins. I have forgiveness for the cruelties I have done. But then I have asked God grace for an opportunity that I could ask one of my very victims forgiveness. And Fräulein Tambom, will you forgive me? And I could not. I remembered the suffering of my dying sister through him. But when I saw, when I experienced that I could not forgive, suddenly I knew I myself have no forgiveness. But I was not able, I could not, I could only hate him. And then I took one of these beautiful texts, one of these boundless resources, Romans 5, 5. And thank you, Father, that your love is stronger than my hatred and unforgiveness. That same moment I was free. And I could say, brother, give me your hand. And I shook hands with him. And it was as if I felt God's love stream through my arms. You never touch so the ocean of God's love as that you forgive your enemies. Can you forgive? No. I can't either. But he can. Listen, it never becomes real. Yeah, we can thank, yeah, that's a great testimony, yeah. Listen, you will never experience God and his love in the deepest, truest sense until you have to forgive out of the depths of the grace that Jesus poured out in your heart. The Christian walk is not easy. If anybody tells it's easy, just slap in the face. No, I'm just teasing. Be nice. Show love. Show mercy. But listen, it is hard. And what Corey was faced with was her deepest hate and anger. But she knew Romans 5, 5 says the Holy Spirit overwhelms us with the love of Christ. I can't do it in my own strength. But through Christ and what he's done for me, we can. We can. Because his Holy Spirit has overwhelmed us with his love. And when, and when that deepest sense of, of hatred and animosity that we have for someone else, and we're able to forgive through the power of Jesus' name, we experience the depths of his love that we could never experience otherwise. That's why Jesus says, it's, yeah, it's very easy to, to love people who love you, right? That's easy. We all get along, join hands, sing kumbaya, wonderful. But what about those who come against us? Jesus says, you will understand the depths of the love that I have for you and the lengths that I went for you when you didn't deserve it. That's a love that I can't even begin to comprehend. And that's why I'm a follower of Jesus. 
You will never find that love in this world. And that's how much Jesus loves you. And at that moment, Corey found freedom. She found a new depth of God's love. She says something later in her testimony that is really good. She goes, years later, someone said something about her or whatever, and she got really mad at that person. And she goes, I held on to it for like two weeks. And she goes, here I was able to forgive the prison guard I was under in a concentration camp, but I was mad at somebody for two weeks for saying something that my cooking was bad or whatever. And she goes, this is something that we can never forget, that each and every day we must lean and rely completely on the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Because how easily we forget what he did for us. So my prayer for you today is whatever you're struggling with, whatever past you may be dealing with, whatever thing gets triggered and gets brought up in your life, I pray Romans 5, 5 for you. Let me read it in closing. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit to whom he has given us. Let the Holy Spirit overwhelm you today. Let his love dominate you. Let's love mercy. Let's do what's right. Let's do what's right. Let's love mercy and let's walk humbly before our God. Father God, as we just bow bow our hearts to you today, I don't know every situation that's going on here today, but you do. I pray that you would have access to our heart that we would never forget the mercy that you have shown us. Help us, Lord, to walk and pursue and to love mercy. Lord, as we speak to the things that we need to speak to, and we should speak to those things that are wrong. But Lord, in that, let us show mercy and love and walk humbly before you every day. That we are sinners in need of your grace every day, just as much as the world's in need of your grace. Help us to do that. Set us free today. Thank you, Jesus, for being patient with us. You are a perfect Savior in every way. In your precious name, we ask these things. We ask all these things in Jesus' wonderful name. Jesus' wonderful name. All God's children said amen to his word today. Can we thank the Lord this morning for his word today? I pray that spoke to you. Amen. Amen.